Welcome to Taking the Rams by the Horns, a podcast that takes current affairs out of current affairs. This is a podcast in partnership with Sowetan Live. I'm your host, Rams Mavote. When broadcaster, author, and commentator Riditlavi sneezes, the entire ex catches a flu. As you can tell from the sound of my voice, I have caught the flu already. I should be postponing this conversation, but I do not want to be another victim of the phantom blocks she dishes on the platform, leading to headline news in top media platforms. I hope you bear with me and my voice as I get into this chat with Rivi about this, that, and the other. But who is Rivi Frankly, I don't think she needs any introduction. An accomplished journalist and broadcaster, a facilitator, and an author. But in X, she is mostly known as the self-appointed editor-in-chief holding the media to high scrutiny, a self-appointed ambassador of South Africa on foreign grounds, and lately, as a puppet of the CIA. It is therefore a singular privilege for me to have her as my guest. Not many people can claim to have interviewed CIA agents before. Spooks don't like speaking publicly. And they shy away from giving interviews, especially to unknown podcasters. So today, in this sacred podcast, I'm entering the lion's den. Not because I'm brave, but I have been asked specifically by a lot of people to look at the lioness in the eye and cut her into pieces. Wish me luck. She's known to be a fighter, and she never lets go of a bone when she has a teeth on it. So, ready or not, here we go. South Africa is alive with possibilities. I mean, who would have imagined a former president in jail, a sitting president sleeping on cash, literally, a cabinet minister visiting a common prisoner in jail, or even the post office operating even when they have nothing to do. Can you confirm that delivery performances drop? Welcome to the new Sowetan Live podcast called Taking the Rams by the Horns with me, Rams Mabot. Each week, I will be taking a lighter look at very serious topics that half the time drive you up the wall. This podcast will use humor to take no prisoners, have no holy cows, and cook a whole lot of sacrificial lambs. Really, how's it? Well, great as always. I'm fine. How are you, Paga Paga? You don't, you don't sound like you have a twang yet. What happened? I thought you'd have a twang by now. Hey, listen, I'm 45 years old. This is not the time for twangs has passed. <laughs> How is the United States of America? Well, you know what they say, that there's the United States and then there's New York and D.C., everything else, right? So I chose D.C. deliberately because it reminds me of home. It reminds me of places you and I would sit sometimes and have a drink or lunch or deliberate, share ideas. Um, it reminds me of where I lived. Uh, you'd see enough black middle class, successful black people. It's very international. 
So I, I like that. We love it. It reminds you of your first love, politics. You're at the heart of American politics there. Hey, when I uh, just a doorstep away from Capitol Hill, a very crazy time. And I think for people like you and I, whose job it is to talk about the world and reflect the world, we've got to be mindful, you know, as the U.S. enters uh, its election period, it can drown out so many important voices and so many important stories. And I'm so conscious of that when that rems because uh, I must continue to work as a journalist, but not be sucked into um, uh, the U.S. and what's happening here because other countries have uh, elections as well. We've got three BRICS countries. Uh, you know, it's uh, Russia, India, South Africa. We've got elections. Mm. There are more than a dozen African countries that have elections next year. The U.K. has to have an, an election before 2025. So I think I'm here but I'm mindful of the power and the amount of money and the amount of politicking that happens here. But the rest of the world needs to show its face as it were, yeah. So you sort of answered my other question because I was going to ask you why the USA, mm. you know? I, uh, at some point we thought you you settled in the UK, which was yeah. a very stupid move. We don't want to be mixing with the uh, uh, the colonizers really. I mean, we don't want those people. But Chungagir, a colonial clerk, has to go ask permission before she goes to where she actually needs to go. You know, the UK was never permanent, uh, Rems, because I'd gone there to study. Okay, I'd gone there to study. And actually, I always laugh at people posting stuff about, uh, like kind of conclusive stuff that is also new to me when I read it. I'd gone to the UK to study. I thought, let me do my MA full-time. I could drag it out for two years part-time, but I it's a short concentration span personality disorder on my part. I need to do things and get them over and done with. So I thought, let me do an immersive program that will be intense, that in entails me attending lectures and all of that. So I went there and I posted a picture of myself after registering last year, generally. And the same day, somebody from the BBC called and said, hi, you're in town, come here, you know? So the work part just came after uh, the main, the oh. primary reason, which was to study. Yeah, but I, I knew I would get work offers and stuff like that, and I did consider uh, staying, go, 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 go into, uh, go BBC London and all of that. But it was not the best place. Uh, that's not what I imagined my future uh, to be. I I love London. I love London, but I, I knew I could only ever be a visitor in London. It's the weather. <laughs> you could never. No, no, no. I could never. <laughs> of course, you can argue. Why don't but they also can't speak English. English. I mean, those people <laughs> can't speak English. I never hear them when they speak. <laughs> A colonial clerk has to do what colonial clerks. You need to get some training from me. <laughs> no, but London man, Ramsey, grey, and then. But I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Brian loved it, of course. Your brother here loved it very much. Um, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't the place. But also, uh, Rems, if you remember, when I left seven o two, I was going to the states. That was the original plan. Yeah. And you and I spoke about it and all of that. My mom got ill. I deferred that and um, life happened, COVID happened. So the U.S. was always the final destination, mainly because the paperwork was already done. You know, oh. the green cards were, were, were in motion and we've got to use them. I want them for the children. I want them for myself, for ease of movement and, and so on. So the U.S. was always, always, always going to happen because also most of my work since I left 702 
is coming from the US. Okay, so you can now confirm officially that you're a CIA agent. So why really Bangata so the CIA agent? Wasn't Twindy Madon said, I think these people did a bad job of being CIA agents. Hopefully I can improve on it. Where the here at home says you are. I mean, you know, everyone, this this journalist I had not encountered before, Zimbabwean guy. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure you saw that. I mean, you responded mm-hmm. to it. But he mm-hmm. says, you know, you're definitely, you've got handlers who even write questions for you, you know, when you speak to other people. Well, I think that came from the fact that unlike Lona, you sophisticated people with iPads. I don't have an iPad. Okay. And the CIA write... does not pay enough, clearly. <laughs> And I write my things down uh, on paper. And I had forgotten my notebook. So so I'm such a bad speech writer, right? So we, we, I was, we were invited to make remarks. It wasn't even a presentation. It was just remarks. It is about basic services and the right to economic opportunities. These restore human dignity far more than anything else. So I'm an off-the-cuff. Obviously, I organize my thoughts in my head. I'm an off-the-cuff person. I'll have my themes and then I speak to them. But they, they wanted the people listening to follow what we were saying. So there was a request to send a statement. So I, I was reading mine off my phone because oh. I had an iPad. That's what was happening. I was reading my PDF document that I'd emailed uh, the day before, by the way, because it's the day before that they asked for it. Uh, Monday, we, we, we appeared at the Congress on Tuesday. So it was Monday that I sent my statement. And I remembered that I've got my emails on my phone. So I was reading it off my phone. Okay, so that's when you were testifying before the U.S. House of Representatives, right? Yeah, so it's a congressional committee. I need to emphasize that because you can't, I can't appear before the House. So you know how we have parliamentary committees go high and on agriculture, on this, on this, and that's why this, this whole brouhaha is quite fascinating to watch because there's also a, a misunderstanding of systems and structures. So I, I didn't appear before the House itself; it was the committee. On foreign affairs the and parliamentary a subcommittee, sub, yeah, and a subcommittee of Africa because they've got foreign affairs. They've got a foreign committee that deals with every corner of the globe, but this one was specifically on um on Africa. Yeah. In what capacity were you there? Disclaimer: I had to ask that question so that I, you know, people know that I, I, I at least I'm not seen as WMC. Yeah. No. 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 Wait, King. You have to ask that question. It's important. Can I just answer that question circuitously and start with just saying, Hore, this capacity thing, PBS, yeah, ANC, it's a rubbish position that comes from the ANC. And you know how they do it? It is when they are in trouble with the law and have broken the law or a minister speaks outside of the dictates of the party or cabinet. And then to protect themselves, I was speaking in my personal capacity. So in situations where a minister makes... um a, a homophobic statement, a sexist statement. No, it was in my personal capacity. There's no such thing as personal capacity. And here's my thing. If ANC people struggle with being consistent, if there's a clash of values between who they are and what they do, that's their problem. I'm not going to adopt, adopt that. And it is quite jarring that society seems to have adopted that. That question implies there is a distinction between Ridi Kabi who is a journalist, and Ridi Kabi, the human being, my values don't change, 
regardless of the context and the circumstances. So when you ask in what capacity, it was Reedy, the journalist. It's me going there. And in fact, we were sent forms before. So when you appear in the committee, you have to write, um, they send you a statement where there are a couple of questions or represent among an organization or self. I clicked self. What is your interest in the subject? Why, when? You, I say I'm a, I'm a journalist. I've got a, um, I, I can't remember. I said I'm a journalist. I've always been interested in reflecting the world foreign policy. I didn't add, I've got a, an MA in international relations with my dissertation on Russia's engagement with Africa. I didn't say that. It wasn't relevant. Well, it was, but it, I just felt I don't like people who talk about their qualifications. So I did that. And then, Rams, there's a question where they ask, are you expecting to receive any financial uh, compensation or grants from any department of state, any mem- that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's a disclaimer, and you do that. So that's what I did. And then we went ahead. So in what capacity? I only have one capacity. I've got one capacity. My values as a mother, as a wife, as a journalist, as a friend, as a human being are the same, regardless of where I am. I so, know you said it was, it was con- congressional in Tonto, but committee. you know... Yeah, being yeah, some people say House of Representatives. So, did that make you automatically like? I mean, does now confirm it that you're a house nigger? Okay. Speaking in the uh, house, there. That's uh, how you mean it. Oh my word! You're so full of nonsense. Get away! <laughs> I, I I just want to understand things. You know, that's my job. I'm doing what you do. Do I ask questions? Oh, you answer. Okay, let's oh, walk away from silly. that one. It's fine. Yo, so do, it's fine. Yo. Let's walk away from that. What did what did they unleash go go your platform? Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about the country that you were born in and you have deserted and you are now bad mouthing us in the world. This country so from South mean. Africa. What bothers you most about about South Africa? I think what bothers me the most is uh, memory, you know, memory, the lack of memory and just remembering what kind of country we aspired towards, remembering what work was done to take us there so that when people come up and do the contrary and and erase those values and that work, that we, we must be up in arms. I mean, that not literally, of course, but we must demand our nationhood. So what frustrates me is how we continuously gift people who are in leadership. We gift them our generosity, our understanding, even when their actions are to our detriment. That's it. Hmm. Why why would it bother you? I mean, you know, if in foreign lands, I mean, you're probably going to get a green card and then one day... I've got a green uh, card. What are you talking then, about? That's why I'm here. become a full citizen. I mean, I'm going to... Yeah, you shouldn't yeah, be worried yeah. anymore, right? Um, and I get emotional when I think about this one because I don't know how people define belonging. You don't not belong because you've left. Your, your heart, your mind, your politics, your consciousness was shaped there. Well, mine was shaped there. That's where my father died. That's where he lies. My parent, my grandparents. So that's more at the that historical uh, 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 concept that roots have no fluidity. They they are there. They are solid. 
and you can't cut them off. And I don't need to prove that to anyone. Those are my roots. You're not entitled to them. They are mine. South Africa is my home. Nobody's going to be an arbiter of whether I belong or not. So I care because it's my home. So so would, a, you, would you come back? No, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. And I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I, I, so those are my roots. But secondly, when Adams, I'm still a taxpayer for South Africa. I have yeah. a home there. I, I pay taxes. Uh, my loved ones are there. So I care. But the last thing, and I'll, I'll wrap this point up, is that perhaps there are people who pecked for Perth at the dawn of democracy. They left because they didn't believe in the South African dream. I'm not motivated by the same thing. And perhaps they thrive in seeing South Africa collapse. I'm not that person. I left for particular reasons because I have work opportunities. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to do other things. Would I come back? So I'm here, and I'm saying this for the first time because there are people who go on social media to take. Listen to this, guys, for the first time happening. I am taking the rims by the horns. I've I've never said this publicly because, right? You, you, you are my friend. I don't think we should be secretive about that. We just happen to be in the same industry, and you must ask whatever tough questions you want to ask. Have you ever heard me explain to you how I'm going to go to the US or how I'm going to to the UK? I've never told you what visa, how, and being. Nobody knew that. But I I haven't engaged this question because I find that when people ask it, it's always a sneer. I can ask you a question with the intention to understand or or to imply something. So I always get, yeah, how did she get a a visa when people don't get? There are lots of visas. I had a tourism visa like anyone else. Anybody can get a visa. But I'm saying this for the first time to you. I've said it uh, privately to people. I'm saying this publicly to people. Those of you who are curious, who are curious about how I got uh, to the United States, go on Google. There's something called the EB1 visa. In the UK, they call it global talent visa. Now, you can debate with me and tell me I'm not global talent. It's not up to you. It's the visa and immigration system that has criteria. It has various criteria. And the, I assessed the US one was far more generous than the UK one. The UK one is very costly, very expensive. What basically that means is that you get permanent residency based on the work you've already done. And I know some South Africans who have gotten the same visa as I am, but I won't mention them because it's their business. It's a green card. It's a green card visa. So there are strict criteria. You've got to show that you are published, you've won award, income, that you are respected in your field. You've got to show that you've done international work. I've done international work. I've done, I've done work before I applied for, for BBC, for Al Jazeera, and that kind of thing. You've got to show that um, you've been a judge in, the, in awards, in, in assessing your own peers. I showed all of that. But here's where it gets very tricky. You need 10 letters of recommendation from people with international acclaim. So I can't come and ask my neighbor to write an endorsement. They prefer that it's people who are at the top of their careers, have won awards and have worked internationally. So I went to the guy who recruited me at Al Jazeera, John Blair. He is an Oscar winning documentary maker for his film on Anne Frank. He is his OBE in the UK. I asked the Archbishop Emeritus, may his soul rest in peace, to write me an endorsement. Judge Edwin Cameron, you need 10 of these. Nikki Newton King, former CEO of the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Katie Katapodas, my former boss. So it's got to be people who've been leaders, who've worked with you, a combination of those who've done international work in the US, in the UK, and in South Africa. 
And then these things are assessed by someone who's never met me and you are approved or not approved. My approval came in 2019, okay, wow. for the green card. So I've just been sitting on a process. It came, you have to do medical checks, you have to pay, it's not free. You can save money by doing it yourself. I can't do paperwork. We had an immigration lawyer do it. It is a costly exercise. So when people come with nonsense about how people get given things, we paid for it, my husband and I. But not only that, I had to show my output and get endorsed by people I've never met, go for an interview, and then the green cards were issued for me, my husband, and my children. That's how I got here. All right. We take that one. Done. And it was said right here on this podcast, guys. Don't For forget that history time. will show. Yeah, so, you can say green card on Rams. Rams by the horns, yeah. Going back, by the way, to that speech in that congressional, whatchamacallit, you, you spoke about our relations with Russia. How how should we choose our friends? I mean, do we choose should we choose those who give us money and want to control us or those who give us, promise us guns and don't buy our food? Like, yeah. Yeah. So here's the funny thing about that, that everybody is friends. India is friends with America. India is friends with South Africa. India is, uh, China is friends with China and the U.S. are friends on certain things. Yeah. And they're not. And and here's the thing, Wena, Rems, about noise. Noise doesn't focus on what the message is. If you read my statement to the committee, I was actually calling out the U.S. for its hypocrisy in foreign policy and how inconsistent it is. But mm. of course... In saying that, I can't just say one thing. I had to describe our democracy, why our democracy matters, because some of these guys, especially the Republicans, they want to withdraw funding for programs that would bolster our democracy. They've already, with PEPFA, which is a program that benefits 50 countries, and that's the thing, South Africans need to think bigger. The world is big. PEPFA is not about South Africa. It's 50 countries. The global, the U.S.'s response global response to HIV and AIDS. So I had to remind them that these things benefit people and they can't go on and punish us because of, 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 of who our friends are. I had to express that Borna, they are inconsistent. They play by different set of rules while asking everyone to toe the line. I use the example of Niger. There's a coup, there was a coup in Niger. The US says it's a democratic country, but they are now do nadering and negotiating with the coup leaders, you know why? Because it suits their strategic interests. They need those drones in the anti-terrorism fight. So I said, Lilona, you negotiate with dictators when it suits you. So why pay attention to who South Africa is friends with? Pay attention to strengthening democracy. That was the crux of the message. But who should our friends be? I think that we shouldn't um, uh, violate our, our, our values. We should be able to, uh, to speak about constitutionalism, uh, freedom of the press and all of that. My thing is that we say we are non-aligned, but we say we are non-aligned, but our actions show we are aligned with Russia. I think if we want to be non-aligned, we must be non-aligned. Uh, but but what the US shouldn't do is expect us to be shouting from the rooftops because we also have strategic interests in the same way that they have strategic interests. But calling out the US for its inconsistency doesn't negate the fact that Russia's engagement with Africa is to its benefit. It is extracting oil exploration rights, diamonds, all sorts of concessions in return for its military sales and support 
for certain African leaders. That is a fact, and I don't, um, I'm not turning away from that, even if there can be another article from some guy in Angola or some guy in Zimbabwe. That's a fact. I didn't make these things up. They are in academic literature. They are spoken about. There's evidence of them. No, this comprehensive answer just proved one thing to me. I think talk show hosts yearn for moments when they get interviewed one day so that they can speak a lot for a change because they always listen to other people. But thank you, thank you for the answer. Let's talk about journalism. Mm -hmm. Your peeve point mm -hmm. lately. I mean, it is I, I mean I see your tweets complaining about journalism. And and in fairness to you, you know, because again, people don't read everything, you complain about journalism all over the world. I mean, you call out you call out stuff in the US, in the UK, but of course we see more when you criticize our own and we get angry. You know, mm -hmm. What what do you think has has happened to our journalism? Did it die when you left? <laughs> and contrary to uh, what people believe, I believe that's that's nonsense. Uh, I was carved uh, by very hard hitting, acclaimed journalists whose work I continue to admire. I came into journalism with an acute awareness that this has been done before. I used to watch as a 12-year-old, 13, 14, a, you know, I used to watch your Alistair Sparks, how they did um, their interview. There was a guy called Leslie. Les, yes, yes, yes. Who did Agenda and Agenda, Newsline yes. SABC in the 90s. Remember that historic interview between Ditlek, Lee, Mandela yes. and Leslie was just in his element. I used to watch your Alice Chavunduga, may his soul, may his soul mm. rest in peace. So this idea that I think I'm the person, no, I watched people before me and I wouldn't be here had it not been uh, for, 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 for those people. On radio, Shadow Twala, um, Tim Mudise, Mudisani Mudise. There are icons. We've got institutional memory and legacy. So why are we reinventing the wheel, wheel and not continuing in that uh, particular space? My pet peeve is a he says journalism. My pet peeve is a single narrator story. The world is polarized. The media is such a powerful force. We can create wars with our pens and our microphones. So just be mindful whose voice you privilege. That's all. And to argue that in 2023, it's much harder to be credible, to do credible journalism, it's just nonsense. It's not true. To argue that you need all this money, there's ground up. There's ground up. They, they get funding. They, they are, there are organizations that don't get as much funding as broadcasting, but they still churn out good journalism. But here's the thing, Rems, and I think this is important. We've got great journalism in South Africa. Cut Blanche. I mean, what a legacy. Um, we... I mean, the investigative journalists, the work that they're doing. The, and that's the thing, print and digital journalism, journalists can't afford the luxury, luxury of just giving us one line of what someone says. They must fill up the space. So ordinarily they seek the plurality. And I think they acquit themselves way better than we do in, 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 in broadcasting. Mail and Guardian, Amabungani, Daily Maverick, those guys at News24 who have revealed all sorts of exposés, Busasa, the trains that... There is fabulous journalism in South Africa. 
to argue that we are unable, particularly in broadcasting, to bring plurality and nuance because we're under pressure. I think that's a cop-out. Other people have done it before you. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to do it. And other people have done it before me, and I had to learn to do it. So I don't know what we're talking about when we think that uh, journalism must be about a single narrator. I know you wanted to also mention taking the rent by the horns as one of those best things, but you didn't have time. So, okay, let's move on to Twitter. Do you get your oxygen from Twitter wars? And nobody's going to get me off. I'll leave when I leave. I love it. The amount of affection, laughter, interaction, and reflection, the way I can access people's sense of humor, their jest, uh, what they write. Now I their, love Their love, insults, love their personal attacks. But their... who's insulting me? That's the question. Who's insulting me? Because that's the first question. If you can answer that, then I will easily then reflect. I don't see people who whose work is admired widely. I don't see those people attacking me. I don't. I don't see people whose work is shifting the needle attacking me. I don't see that. I don't see it. You know, I'm so convinced that of the 690,000-odd followers on, of yours on Twitter, I have no doubt that one third are bots. I agree. I, I agree. I once posted on Twitter, I asked someone who's an expert, because I'm quite stupid with technology now. You don't come to me with tech stuff and all that stuff. Get on. I said, I'm getting new followers. Like, remember when Twitter used to alert you, Mang Mang followed you, Mang Mang followed you, Mang Mang followed you. And it's all the people with names like Sankara1978452021. And and the person did some research about it. I know, uh, you know, they designed it in such a way that they look real. But there's no way in one day I'll be followed by the same kind of people and they all say the same kind of thing. Ah, it's not true. I've actually laughed the other day about someone missed your your, your sarcasm and you go, I'm like, yeah, his profile is growing. Now he knows what it's like. But the point is you probably engage a fraction of what you get. So the one that I engage, you may find that there's hundreds and there's what. But there's another way in which I engage in that, I look at what the person is saying and I think if they're not always, I don't, so, so that's the thing. You're reading a tweet of me responding to someone, but you don't know that there are millions, hundreds that I've ignored. But yeah. sometimes there is a, 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 you are not engaging the person, you are engaging the audience. You are using that tweet to address something. So that's usually what I do. Why are you not taking that fight to, to Facebook? Are you t- not taking us seriously there as the people of Facebook? You know, you... I don't know. I've never been. But I get to think technology. I mean, even Instagram. I don't know how to use it. I don't know how to use Facebook. I've never been on Facebook. So I don't know how to use it. Must I must I open an account? No, no, no. It's okay. But let's move on. But I, okay. on, on the subject of me engaging people, I think it's a crime not to understand sarcasm. So I take them on if they don't get sarcasm. It's bad education. It's a reflection of what we did with our education. Anyway, (laughs) let's move on to a wonderful human being called Jacob Zuma, former president of the country. It's a black child who's Mm. being disadvantaged again. Ferburs is smiling in his grave because of your government. No, no, no. What has happened today is because of what Ferwood did. But which he, part of the of the problem the belongs Ferwood to you? Dr. in particular singled out education as an instrument to put back centuries 
of black children. You are just continuing behind. his work then by not giving it, children it, textbooks. It can't be true. Have you made peace with the former president? I didn't. Uh, I wasn't aware that I have a, a conflict with him. To be okay. honest. Okay. Did you have a crush on him? Okay. Look. His own daughter Duduzile swears, uh, you know, uh, pardon the pun, but swears that you you wanted to be another first lady. Oh, yo, yo, yo. You know, Rams, I don't even know that I should engage this nonsense. And you know when you're thinking on your feet and you don't know what the correct, maybe Kausani, I'll regret answering you. But I wonder whether I should answer you because you're my friend. I will answer. You know, Rems, sometimes people ask you things that force you to sound mean because in the interest of diplomacy, you don't walk around saying certain things. But when you are asked consistently about these things, maybe you should put them to bed, except, and I'm thinking on my feet here, except I'm not interested that people, I'm, I'm not convinced that people like that are interested in hearing you or hearing your, your truth. So you get asked a question, but the person is not interested in the answer because the intention is just to malign, you know. I, I have never met Duduzile Zuma. I don't know her. I can only lament the sickness of a daughter who, or brokenness, with empathy, by the way, of a daughter who has such an obsession with her father as a sexual being. The idea of my parents as sexual being is anathema to me because that's not what we do. We don't talk about our parents as desirable sexual beings, but she seems to really be immersed in her father as a sexual person and people wanting him. It can only reveal a very broken, broken child. And I do pray that she, she finds some healing and reflects on how sick it is that she speaks about her father in that particular way. Have I answered you or you want more? I am answered. And I want us to move on for two reasons. I, I, I realize that uh, it's a very- Actually, Rams, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to, I haven't answered everything. Let me just answer because I'll never do this podcast with you again. Let me just go there because you know what? You and I are on social media. They're going to say she avoided the question, right? Okay. So I'm going to answer it and go back to what I said that People in their questions and their superficiality and their own meanness force certain responses from us that we diplomatically wouldn't choose. I will do I have a crush on him? Bona. You know, Luna Bandane, you've got a type. You've got a type, Wena. I think my husband has a type. I think my friends have a type. What you men need to understand is that women also have a type. We have a type. I watch how Karen Morn gets mauled for doing her job that and the accusation that she wants that man. Polly van Veig, she wants that. Every woman who's tough and doing their work must want that man. All I want to say is that, guys, just be mindful. We have a type as women as well. So when you ask me, do I want someone, anyone, I have a type. I like them tall and lean or short and lean. Lean is a must. And... Uh, you must be educated because that matters to me. But most importantly, you must be kind 
There's got to be kindness, EQ, empathy, and you've got to talk about issues of the world as equals. That's how I'll answer that question. Damn, and I'm not lean. Okay, I'm going to ask you a few quick questions as we close. I'm running out of time. So, what's wrong with Musisi Yonkwewan? I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. Like you... I've never met her. I don't know. But when, are you, I... when are you marrying a white husband? Hey, but I'm thinking, I love the husband that I have. So, Brian, and I'm not sure And then when I'm done, I'll let you know. <laughs> Who wrote your books? You know, Rams, that thing is so... F- you know how shocked I was when I heard that there was that kind of commentary? And guess who, who said that to me? It was Eusebius. He was interviewing me about something and he mentioned that. I said, what? I wasn't e- even aware that there was that kind of thing. And I, I heard it this week. Project. I think people project. You use ghostwriters, so you think the rest of us do. And also, if you look at my output and when I started writing, columns, Sowetan, Fair Lady, Cosmopolitan, Washington Post... Check the style and see if there's consistency. And another thing, um, I've got a, a literature, you know, I, I don't like talking about education, but literature is a field as well. Okay. So, you know, for me, when I, I think people accuse others of doing things that they themselves are doing. And I don't know what the ethics are with ghostwriting and so on. I don't know. It's not a field that I'm curious about. And I never ventured there. But I, hey, I want quick answers to these last questions. Who's your handler? You mean, are you asking me about my sex life? No, no, like, you know, the person who uses you to fight against South Africa and our people and oh, our beautiful I thought, land, you meant, yeah. I, thought you were, I thought you were talking about No, that. no, no, I, I don't do that. Okay, you, I was shocked. <laughs> your grams. Who's my handler? My brain. Okay. WMC or RET? Wait again, these things are not in my lexicon, eh? so it's hard to answer. <laughs> other than family and Nandi Pamat Kuduman, is there any other black person that likes you? You do, and you must account. Not no troller, not no troller. Oh, and finally, ready. what's the next thing that we should expect from you? I got 30 seconds for that. Okay, so here's the thing. Ne? There was a, a, a revelatory moment. Uh, just before we, and a few hours before we recorded this thing, I was in a meeting with some media executives. We're trying to build something that is global. Da da da. These are people who started shows on Sky, MNCBC, uh, BBC. That so we're talking. And in the interest of transparency, I talk about this Twitter storm. Are you guys still okay working with me? Do you have any anxieties? They didn't know what I was talking about. They did not know what I was talking about because that space that's noisy is so tiny in the bigger scheme of things. So my focus is on work. There are elections all over the world. There are global stories to be told. I'll be there telling them, not stopping. Thank you so much. Brilliant having you here. Thank you. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Tabi, the woman they love to hate. Yet a woman they seem to battle to ignore. I asked all the questions time allowed me. Besides, I had to be careful not to agitate a CIA agent. It is a risk I cannot afford. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Taking the Rams by the Horns. Please send your comments to me via email on rams at ramsmavote.com. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Please share more of your boring and unprintable thoughts about reading. 
download the MySowetting app and listen to more of my podcasts. Follow us on X at Rams by the Horns and at Sowetting Live. From me, Rams Mabote, goodbye and God bless.